This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. Well, welcome everybody. Go ahead and turn to Luke 21. And while you're turning there, we will open with a uh, word of prayer. Lord, as we uh, gather tonight to open up your word and to learn of you yet again, Lord, I ask that you move upon every one of us that's here. Lord, the ones that aren't here, you you see our our prayer uh, request list. You see the the sickness that is going through the, the community and through this church. Lord, I ask that you touch those that are sick, those that are in need of healing. Lord, we pray to you tonight because you are the only one who truly can heal. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right. Luke 21 verse 19 is the question that we're going to tackle tonight brought to us by Brother Matt. Um, By your endurance, you will gain your lives. King James says it really awesomely as well Uh, most of y'all will know that by patience you wow i'm lacking somebody quote it in your patience possess you your possess you your souls there you go i knew it but work uh also i may be a little lightheaded i went to the doctor for my, my my six month checkup and they took blood and all that good stuff so I generally get a little woozy afterwards. Get ready for that. If I go out, kind of come shake me a little bit. Maybe throw something at me. (laughs) Hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, we're going to read for the context. We're going to read starting in verse 5 of 21. And we're going to read all the way through 24. This is not all of the Olivet Discourse as it's called. But it gives us the context that we're looking for tonight. It's broke into um, into two different categories, things to come and the return of Christ. We're looking at things to come tonight, basically. Okay. Uh, if you're wondering about the other half of the Olivet Discourse, don't worry. As we're preaching through Mark, when we get into Mark 13, we'll be covering this exact same topic again. So we're teaching through it tonight, partly, and we'll preach through it fully when we get to chapter 13 in Mark. So it's going to be pretty cool stuff there as well. Starting in verse 5. And while some were talking about the temple, that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said, as for these things which you are looking at, the day will come in which there will not be one left stone upon another which will not be torn down. They questioned him, saying, Teacher, when therefore will these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Is that not us even today? When when is this stuff going to happen, right? As humans, these disciples, these followers are human. We're human. We want to know the conclusion. We want to know the full picture, right? I don't want to get halfway and not know the the end right that's the whole thing about cinema and 
and movies and stuff is is to watch the movie and I don't I may be the only one in this room but I know this is a thing where halfway through the movie I pretty much know the ending of that movie right because I know cinema history and I know the story that they're trying to tell you know if it's a if it's a Marvel movie we'll we're probably going to be left on a cliffhanger which we hate right and it brings us to the next one if it's a heroic movie and the the damsel's in distress, and the, the, the hero is, he's going to come in valiantly, he's going to look like he's going to fail, and then he's going to save the damsel in the end, right? We, we, we kind of know how the story's going to go. And uh, this is exactly what the disciples want to do. They want to know the end. You, you saying this is going to happen? By this point in Jesus' ministries, the disciples at least were unblinded enough to know he knows the future, he knows what's going to happen. So tell us what, what, what's happening. Verse 8, and he said, so they asked, when is it going to happen and what will be the signs? Right? Pretty specific questions. And he said, see to it that you are not misled. So he's about to tell them. So that why? So we're not misled. Okay? For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is near. <clears throat> do not go after them. When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. Okay? Verse 10. Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes, and in various places plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. <clears throat> but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will give you utterance and wisdom, which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. There's our verse 19. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies... Then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judah must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave. And those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are days of vengeance. Why was Jerusalem destroyed? Because of vengeance. Who destroyed Jerusalem? The Romans. God destroyed Jerusalem. God tore down his temple because the sacrifice had been made. Right? And we'll talk about that. <clears throat> Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to the, this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are 
fulfilled. So that's our text. Before we get into it, any questions, comments? This is like really cool stuff right here, right? This is end times prophecy. This is this is the Olivet discourse. This is Jesus Himself telling us about things to come. Before we get into it, the way that we are to discern scripture like this, passages like this, we call this apocalyptic literature. We have to adopt a viewpoint of has happened, not yet happened. Okay? So some of this stuff has happened. In 70 AD, Jerusalem fell by the sword of the Romans. The temple was destroyed. But that, that has happened. Has the end come? No. There's still things to happen. So God operates outside of time. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We operate in time. So in prophecy, in apocalyptic literature, when we go into Daniel, when we go into Revelations, when it's Jesus Christ himself or one of the apostles talking about end times things, right? If God tarries and the will is the way I'm, I'm feeling through my Bible studies, we're in Mark. When we finish Mark, we're going to go into Galatians. When we finish Galatians, First and Second Thessalonians, that's, that's kind of... What, I, what I'm feeling for us as we preach through the Word of God. First uh, and Second Thessalonians is filled with end times teachings and things. It's talking about resurrection and the resurrection of the dead and, and when Christ is coming back. All this stuff. When we look at all of that, we have to adopt a viewpoint of has happened, has not happened yet. And I would even actually throw one in. <clears throat> has happened, is happening, hasn't happened yet. Okay, we can even see that in just the context here. Christ says, hey, y'all see this temple? It's going to fall. Not one stone is going to be left upon another. Right. And they said, what? Really? How? When? How's this going to happen? When is this going to happen? The first thing he starts off with false prophet. People are going to rise up and say, I am Jesus. Follow me. We can say that that has happened. That is happening, and it's probably going to continue to happen, right? Jerusalem fell once. The, the temple was destroyed once. That has happened, okay? But some of this stuff, some of this end time stuff has happened, is happening, and will happen again. History repeats itself. The church has been persecuted, is being persecuted, and we'll be persecuted until Christ comes back. Right? There, some of these things. So as we start to unravel apocalyptic literature and, and books of the Bible that will be debated, has been debated, is going to be debated, right, forever. Um, remember that viewpoint. Some things have happened, some things are happening, and some things have yet to happen. Pretty, pretty simple stuff. But let's look at verse 19 first, and then we'll get into the context because the context backs up verse 19, right? So on your handouts, I did the legwork for us with um, defining and looking into the Strong's and going back to the original text so that we can get a true definition of what verse 19 is saying. So we'll read verse 19 
By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Okay, that is that is an immense promise in the midst of all this horrible stuff. So it's pretty spectacular that it's in there. The disciples and followers ask Christ, what do the end times look like? And he starts describing some horrible, horrible things, even to the point of death. Okay. But yet then he says, you'll also endure and in your endurance, you'll gain your life. You'll gain eternal life, which is a great, great, great privilege and promise in the midst of all of this struggle. His church will be his church. And for those who believe, truly believe, and those who endure, will endure by the power of the spirit that's in them. We're going to make it, which is great stuff. Why are we going to make it? Because God said so. But let's look. So three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words in English, three words in Greek. <laughs> All right. And that's what these three words are. So by your endurance is the first phrase in English. And it is uh, 5281 in the Strong's. Hoop omoni means to properly remain under, especially as God enables the believer to remain under or endure the challenges he allots in life. We'll read that again because that's a mouthful, but there's a lot there. So what does it mean to endure? To properly, I should have capitalized and boldened that, not just to remain, but to properly remain as, as pertaining to God's commandments and his statutes and what the word of God says we are to do. Properly remain under, especially as God enables the believer to remain under or endure the challenges he allots in life. Notice he is capitalized. The challenges God allots in life for that believer. Okay? You will gain. <clears throat> means uh, 2932 means to acquire. That's the verb. Pretty straightforward right there. To acquire. And your lives. 5590 means suke. That's where we get our English word psyche from. So like psychologist, psyche. That's where this word comes from, means soul. A person's distinct identity, your unique personhood. This is straight from Strong's definitions. This 5590 corresponds exactly to the Old Testament Hebrew uh, 5315. The soul is the direct aftermath of God breathing his gift of life into a person, making them an insult being. So the 53:15 think Genesis when Adam was created and God breathed into him and he became a living being. Okay? It's a direct correlation to 55:90 where you endure and you will gain your soul basically. Literally, verse 19 says this. If we put all those definitions together into something that we can we can chew on. The believer who has been breathed upon by God's gift of spiritual life has acquired a unique and personal soul that will remain properly under God's control through all the challenges God has tailor made.
for them to endure. It's a lot out of three words. But that's, that's what that means. So how can we endure? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay, We're not breaking new ground here. We're, we're just revealing God's truth yet again in, in another passage of Scripture. Why do we endure? Because Jesus said we would. And here's the, here's the crux of all of this. Why is this important in this text? The disciples asked, what did the end times look like? And Jesus told them. He predicted certain things to happen. He said certain things were going to happen. And certain things were still yet to come. But in the middle of this is this promise. That all those who believe, they will endure. Now this isn't a works-based salvation. We don't believe that. It's not just the simple fact that you endure that you gain your life because anybody can set out to remain, right? I'll, I'll, I could be religious. I can follow the things that the Bible says, but we can't and we don't. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost within us to help us to persevere. It's both the Spirit in us giving us the power to and the believer rising up to what the Spirit is calling us to do. We persevere together and it's through that helpful push, nudging, sometimes pulling, <laughs> that, that we persevere. So verse 19 says exactly what it, verse 19 says. All those who endure will gain eternal life by the power of God. Amen. We, hallelujah. Yes. So why is that important? And why can we have a surety in that? You say, you may be having a bad day today. You may not feel like you're enduring very well. You may not feel like you're persevering very well, right? You may have failed flat on your face spiritually. I, I had that opportunity the other day. God presented through his providence. There's no reason for me to go to this woman's house. She had a leak, but she needed ministering to. She needed prayer. She was grieving for her, for her lost husband. And I seen, I perceived that she was sad, and I was there on behalf of the water department, and I brushed it off. And I went and I looked for a leak, and I found her leak, and it, God gave me another opportunity. But the whole time, I brushed her off, and I could feel that in my spirit. I needed to pray for her, <laughs> you know. And, and I wasn't going to be able to leave until I did that, to the point to where it, it, it was a great struggle for her even to come to the door. And I had to go knock on the door and make her come out again. And I had to apologize to her which she, I don't think she fully understood because I said, I need to pray for you. But before I pray for you, I need to apologize to you because I should have prayed for you the first time. And I, that's biblical. I, I, I offended her on behalf of God and I needed to make amends before I could go to God on her behalf, right? That's what, look at the Sermon on the Mount. If I have aught with my brother, I should leave the sacrifice, right, and go and make amends before I bring the sacrifice. And I hadn't offended her. I offended God. I should have did what God told me to do the first time. I failed God that day. He gave me opportunity to make amends, which praise God. But I didn't feel for them 30 minutes while I was looking for that leak. I didn't feel like I was persevering very well. Here I am. I'm a, I'm a pastor of a church. Like I'm a mature Christian. I should have just stopped what I was doing. We preach, we teach, we testify that, that everything we do, we do is unto the Lord. And, 
and this is my job, but this is my life, right? That's what we say, but then sometimes we're humans and we just fail, right? What that says is even in those instances, my truest desire is to do the will of my Father. And I'm, dri- I'm driven <laughs> I'm driven through chastisement sometimes to get to that, but I persevere nevertheless. I'm still a Christian today. I still did what God told me to do. Now, did I do it in his perfect will? No, absolutely not. But I did it, and I was driven to it. Yes. Oh, I... Well, I said... Yep. Oh, yeah. There was... There was plenty of choices that day. That's right. And and I failed on the first one. But that's just exactly what that says. Well, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just what that definition says, the, the literal definition. is God, God was in control of that event. And he set that challenge before me. And he even knew what I was going to do before I did it. But out of that, that woman was edified. God was glorified, and I grew a little bit, right? So it's all in God's hands. Why is verse 19 in the middle of this Olivet Discourse so important to the believer? Jesus said it. And we're about to back up historically what that means. If Jesus said it, it's true, because he predicted a lot of things, and those things have come to pass all the way up to today. And uh, we can even put it into our spiritual bank that the things yet to come will probably come true also because Jesus said it. Just like what Miss Eddie says almost every Tuesday. God said it. I believe it. Right? It's easy to say that. But to live that out, to persevere that, to endure that to the end. And we'll, we'll get into a lot more of this detail when we preach through Mark it's the same stuff but that's that's that again is has happened is happening will will happen that's to the end of the age that's the to the end of your life that's to the end of this trial this challenge we persevere i'm persevering to the end but i haven't made it yet i've persevered to this moment and i've made it to this moment so there there's perseverance that's happened there's endurance that has happened there's endurance that is happening, and there's endurance still to come. Yes. He, oh, yes, ma'am. He taught me a lesson. So, how can we endure? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Why do we endure? Because Jesus said we would. Why is that important? Jesus said it. It would, it would mean a lot because Paul says the same thing in 2 Timothy. He says, we reign with Christ because we endure. Okay? That's 2 Timothy 2.12, I believe it is. That's, I told you last night, 2 Timothy 2.12. By our endurance, we reign with him. Okay? That means a lot. Paul said it. Paul's an apostle. Paul said a lot of things. I believe what Paul said. It, it made it into the Bible through God's divine ordinance. It's truth. Right? But Jesus said it, and he's the son of God, 
and it's not the Spirit saying it through someone else. It's God himself saying it, right? So Paul is just backing up what Jesus has already said. And we're going to see, even in this, Jesus is just backing up what he said in Daniel chapter 9. He is the Word, right? So (laughs) he's just backing himself up. God doesn't deny himself, and he backs himself up. So Luke 21, 18 through 19 says, Yet not a hair on your head will perish, but your... Uh, by your endurance you will gain your lives. So he literally, 17, if you back up even one more, uh, 16, I'm sorry, but you will be betrayed even by parents and your brothers and relatives and friends, and they will even put some of you to death. But then 18 says, but not a hair on your head will perish? What, What in the world? What does that mean? That means exactly what this literal definition means. Some of us is going to die. Matter of fact, if we keep living, all of us is going to die. Right? But he's talking to these apostles who every single one of them was martyred. They all died. But none of them died out of season. None of them died prematurely. None of them died outside of the will of God. That's what 18 and 19 is saying, that even your death is preordained and orchestrated through the working of the Spirit. Everything is laid out, which is pretty cool. So when, when things come up against you, when challenges arise, when persecution comes, even as light as persecution is here in America, when persecution comes, that didn't catch God by surprise. He knew that, and he loves you, and he's not going to ordain anything that's outside of his will to happen to you. And in that 19, was he not speaking not just of the physical life, but to, but like in the King James Version, it says your soul, yeah. which ended your life mm-hmm. here, is explained as this life here is the soul that is the direct aftermath of God bringing yep. the gift of life. Yeah, it's eternal. Yeah. And so is he, so in 16, he's talking about the physical death, but then in 19, he's actually talking about the second death, the spiritual yeah. that, that's, death, which is actually will be spiritual life. Like right, right. So life. apocalyptic language, right? Think revelations. You have first death and the second death. <clears throat> the second death is the lake of fire, right? So, yeah, we all partake of the first death the physical death, but those who endure never partake of the second death. We, we don't go to the lake of fire. We, we inherit eternal life. That's exactly what that is saying. He was telling the apostles, you will die, but you'll never die, which is awesome stuff yeah. because this promise is open-ended. It isn't just for the apostles. Has happened, is happening, will happen. This is for all those who believe. The believer. Cool. Uh, We can trust God to know the future, right? Yeah, absolutely we can. But we also have historical proof that Jesus knew the future in vivid detail. And it, it 
unfolded exactly the way Jesus said it was going to unfold, exactly the way Daniel said it was going to unfold, or when it was going to unfold. We don't have detail of the destruction of Jerusalem, but uh, Daniel predicted the date that it was going to happen and the time, which is amazing. It's like over 500 years before the event. And we'll look into that. So, yes, we can trust Christ. We can trust God. And in extension to God, his voice, his words, we can trust the word of God to dictate our lives because the word of God knows past, present, and future. I only know past and some of present. I don't even know the rest of my night. I only know literally this moment. I know what happened yesterday, and I know this moment. And by faith, I'm going to walk into tomorrow because Christ is leading me, right? So the destruction of the temple and the events leading up to it. No way could we have covered this in an hour. Okay, so this is, you know how we say this is, this is flying over at 36,000 feet. This is flying over it like at the space shuttle. It's, we're barely tipping the iceberg of this. <clears throat> but like I said, when we go through Mark, we'll bring some more of this out. So Daniel 9, if you want to turn there, Daniel chapter 9, we're going to read uh, 24 through 26. So the Olivet Discourse is broke into two parts. Daniel 9 also broke into two parts. 24 through 26 is kind of the context that we're in. 27 talks about the Messiah's second coming. We're not talking about the second coming. We're talking specifically about the destruction of the temple and the historical evidence we have of that happening. Does that make sense? Which that in itself will tell us if Jesus Christ predicted that 500 years before in the Word of God and then predicted it again just 50 years before and then it happened, we can take verse 19 and we can hide that in our hearts and we can endure through any hard time because Christ knows what's happening. Okay. <clears throat> Seventy weeks, verse 24, have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, there will be seven weeks and 72 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. Some pretty apocalyptic literature right there. And we don't have a whole lot of time to go into how, how we discern Daniel, but the 70 weeks there. Each day in that week is one year. Do the math. 
we have seven weeks and Jerusalem and the temple would be rebuilt. Okay, so we just went through Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls. That's those 50 years of the time from the first pilgrimage to Jerusalem to the time that Nehemiah takes the third pilgrimage and they rebuild the walls and the temple and the sacrifices and everything is set back up. That's that first 70 weeks. 62 weeks. 62 times 7 is a lot. It's like 400 and some odd years. Okay? That gets to the Messiah and the crucifixion. And if you follow the calendars and you follow the days, Christ was crucified when Daniel 9 said he was going to be crucified. Okay? Of course, if you do the math, 7 plus 62 is 69 and not 70 and there's seven more years left to come but that's that's end times stuff that's seven year tribulation and and all of that stuff which is cool too because that's been predicted right this is the telling of the vision that Daniel prayed for and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he couldn't get an answer and then Gabriel himself come and said, Daniel, we heard you the first time, but there's been a great war, and we've been fighting this war. Gabriel come, and this is what he told him. This is the vision that you saw. This is the interpretation of that vision. There's 70 weeks determined for life, for history. Seven weeks are 49 years, plus 62 weeks, plus seven, plus one week. And it's a unfixed time and there's a lot that goes into that but it was 69 consecutive weeks and a time and then there's going to be a final seven years somewhere in the future has happened is happening will happen okay but in that time and we read it is the destruction of the temple it's the destruction of jerusalem it's the crucifixion of the messiah all of that is depicted and it's there. So then flash forward to 33 AD and the Jews kill Messiah. He's cut down. He's made nothing. Right here is the king of the Jews and he's nothing. But then he's risen and he ascends to the Father. And then 70 AD comes. And here is what Christ was talking about in chapter 21 of Luke where he said not one stone is going to be left upon another. Okay? As briefly as I can, there was an insurrection around 67 AD where the Jews actually ran Rome out of Jerusalem. They, they rose up and they ran Rome out of Jerusalem. Rome could not abide this, so they surrounded the city. Okay, be thinking of what we read. Matter of fact, let's read it again, and then I'll tell you the historical evidence for it. And then that'll be the end of it. Verse 6. As for these things which you are looking at, the days will come in which there will not be left one stone upon another which will be torn down. Okay, he's talking about the temple. Then he tells them about false prophets coming in his name. 
not in his name, but as him himself. Then in verse 10, he says things to come. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be great earthquakes. There's going to be plagues and famines in various places. There's terrors. There's going to be signs from heaven. That is that is tornadoes, hurricanes, what we call acts, acts of God, right? Even our insurance calls it acts of God. That's signs from heaven, okay? But before all of these things, did you catch that the first time we read it? All this stuff is going to happen, but before all of that, they will lay hands on you. So now he's talking about the persecution of the apostles, okay? Before all this happens, before 70 AD, be thinking like that. You're going to be paraded to synagogues. You're going to be scourged. You're going to go before kings and governors. So that's persecution from the Jews, persecution from the Gentiles. Jews didn't have kings and governors. They were ruled by Rome. Synagogues were the Jewish courts. Kings and governors represents Gentile courts. Okay? Be thinking about Acts. All this stuff happened too, right? But all of it, verse 13 Right, All of it is going to lead to you preaching, you testifying, the gospel going forward. He said, make up your minds now not to make big speeches. I'm going to tell you what to say. Are you noticing the, person, the, the personhood here of Christ? It's the spirit, yes. Christ himself said, I'm going to fill your mouth with what you need to say. This is a personal thing. This salvation that we've obtained through God, by faith in the Son... It's very personal to God. It's personal to us, but it is personal to God. God is your God. He's my God. And he's the God. Okay? This is a very personal thing. Even as so much, go back and pick apart that that literal definition that I put together. That literally means that God Taylor makes your challenges and your endurance for your challenges. I don't live Matt's life. He lives his life. I live my life. My challenges are mine. His challenges are his. Our salvation is the same. It's in Christ. But we walk lives completely different. Right? Personal. Personal stuff. You'll be betrayed. Right? By parents, friends, brothers, relatives. You'll even be put to death. Okay? Okay? But he says, by your endurance, you'll gain your, your life. You'll gain your eternal life. You may lose your life here, but you're, you're gaining eternal life in your perseverance. Don't lose heart, in other words, is what he's saying. I'm telling you all these things so you know it's coming. Get ready. Get ready now because there's harder times coming. That's our message tonight. Get ready now. There's harder times coming because Jesus said so. Okay? Okay. But then in verse 20, he switches back again. He says, but. Okay, so he, he, he stopped. We have verse 19. By your endurance, you'll gain eternal life. All, this thing, all these things are going to happen to you. But, back to the temple. Okay? Think of Paul. This would be a therefore. Would be right here. So Jesus says all this stuff, and he says, but. Remember the stone not left upon another stone? Okay. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, so now we're getting detail, okay? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. It's happening. This is it. 
Some of this stuff, he said, it, this stuff's going to happen, but it's not yet. This stuff is going to happen to you soon, but when you see this, it's happening. Okay? Then those who are in Judah must flee to the mountains. Detail. Listen to this detail, and then I'm going to tell you the historical side of it. And those who are in the midst of the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city. Okay, so if you're in the city, get out. If you're out of the city, don't come back. Okay? Woe to those who are pregnant and nursing a baby in those days. Why? Because it's going to be very hard for you. you. It's very hard for you. You're nursing a child, and you're in the midst of a war. This is hard, okay? And why is it hard? Because great distress is upon the land, and wrath is on this people. So detail again. There's things that have happened. There's things that is happening. There's things that will happen. This has happened. The destruction of Jerusalem has happened. Okay? And it goes on. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into many nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Okay? So, historically, did that come true? Verbatim. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. It went verbatim. So, around 70 AD, the siege of Jerusalem started. Okay? Jerusalem Jewish zealots, think Simon the Zealot, Jewish zealots ran Rome out of Jerusalem, something that hadn't happened since Rome occupied Jerusalem. They ran them out of Jerusalem. Rome could not abide this. Nero, who is Caesar at the time, sends all of Rome to surround Jerusalem. A couple different generals, one takes the north, one takes the south, coming up through Egypt, into the south, through the north. They're compassed about all sides. No way in, no way out. Okay? It was during Passover. Nero and the generals decide to let pilgrims into the city, but not let anybody out of the city. So if you're in the country, don't go in. If you're in the city, get out. So now you're able to get in, but you can't get out. Why do they do this? To deplete their resources. We're going to let a bunch of people into the city. Nobody's coming out. They're going to eat themselves out of house and home. And history says that's exactly what they did all the way up until the point of cannibalism. Okay? Then Nero commits suicide. Rome is in unrest. Rome pulls back from Jerusalem, something that doesn't happen. They're, they have seized the city. But now they don't have a Caesar. There's three men in a, a matter of months that rise up to be Caesar, and they're either killed or done away with. And the general who is set over Jerusalem's siege becomes Caesar. So he has to go back to Rome to become Caesar. So the armies actually pull back for a time. So those who are in Jerusalem flee and they leave. So if you're in the city, get out of the city. If you're in the country, don't go in the city. Those things have happened. They've been compassed about. When you see this, you know the time is near. And when you have a chance, leave. That's what Jesus says. 
Now, Rome has come past about. There's no, there's no chance, right? Rome has sieged the city. Rome is mad. <laughs> They're going to destroy us. But yet, in God's divine providence, a Caesar takes care of himself, and Rome pulls back for a season. And very quickly, they come right back. But there is a, there is a chance during Passover for redemption. And they, they flee. They, they leave the city. They're gone. Okay? So, is, it, is on any of this making sense? Okay, cool. <clears throat> Whenever they seize the city again, that's it. It takes them several years, about three years, to actually break into Jerusalem. Because the zealots have, have the main wall and they've built two exterior walls at this point around the city. This is some big picture stuff. They break into the, the walls. They finally gain access into the city and they demolish Jerusalem. The ones that are in the city are either killed by the sword. Very few of them, but some are actually take, taken as slaves and disbanded. Exactly what Christ said was going to happen. And despite the new Caesar saying, don't touch the temple, because what he wanted to do was keep the temple as a monument to Caesar. Look at, we just took care of all of this. What, what God could stop us, right? They burned the temple, and, and the Caesar couldn't stop them. They, the, the temple was set on fire. And from what we get from uh, Josephus, some of y'all know that name. He was a, a first century historian. Uh, Josephus describes this, okay? In 70 AD, when Rome burned the temple, the gold on the walls melted in the heat and ran in between the stones of the temple. The Romans tore apart every stone, leaving nothing on top of itself in order to extract the gold for, the, for Caesar. There wasn't one stone left on another stone. It was even to the point to where they demolished stones to get the gold out of it. Vivid, vivid detail. But that's exactly what happened. Can we trust what Jesus says? Yes, we can. Has happened, is happening, will happen. Okay. He even told them, uh, he told them this was going to happen. Jesus predicts false teachers rising up proclaiming to be him he predicts wars disturbances nations against nation kingdom against kingdom great plagues famines natural disasters he talks about all of it okay but before all of those things take place he predicted the arrest and persecution imprisonment and even death of the apostles uh he predicted the persecution arrest and even death of those in the church has happened will is happening will happen okay we, we don't we don't get out of this thing without going through and suffering for Christ there is coming a time where Satan is going to be released and he comes out with vengeance and he dis, he despises God in the church and the whole world turns against us and many of us perish to the point that where John the Revelator even tells us of 
those gathered around the throne saying, how much longer are you going to let this happen, God? And God himself says, until the last martyr is martyred. There's persecution coming. We've been shielded for over 200 years here in America. But the rest of this world hasn't. And it's not going to be like that forever in this land either. Where we are right now, as a church, as a Christian, we can't get behind the laws of this land. How much longer is it going to be before we have to defy those laws and become rebels ourselves? I'm not saying we're taking up arms and, and any of that stuff, but, but it's already happening now. When, when, when a same-sex couple wants to get married and, and we tell them no, well, now we're, we're against the law, right? How much longer before things like the First Amendment doesn't pertain to us? How much longer before the government just says, y'all are too different, you need to be like us or you can't be? It's coming. The day's coming, guys. We need to be ready now. Because the times are going to get hard. But then they get better. But we got to endure the hard times. Okay? It's coming. Jesus told us all this. He even told them not to prepare speeches. He gives us detail, too. When we find ourselves in the places like this, don't worry what to say. Be ready to speak. That's that. what it... What did Paul tell Timothy? Be ready in season and out of season. We, we kind of say that the wrong way sometimes whenever I need somebody to speak really quickly. Or, but what Paul is actually telling Timothy is whether it's a good time or it's a bad time, be ready to defend the gospel, right? Exactly what Jesus is telling us here and what I'm telling you today. Be ready. Whether it's a good season or it's a bad season to defend your faith and endure whatever challenge is faced in front of you because your reward is great. Jesus knows everything about our lives. No, he orchestrates every aspect of our lives. That's a better way to say that. So do not fear, neither be anxious. <laughs> it's easy to say that, right? I can imagine these apostles. What? <laughs> what a minute, wait a minute, what? So what Jesus was actually telling these apostles as we finish up is this kingdom, like we've been preaching through Mark, this kingdom that you're expecting, uh, is it coming, boys? Not, not the way y'all think it. I'm not going to disband Rome. I'm not going to be the king that sits in, in, on Herod's throne. Matter of fact, the same people who were just crying, Hosanna, are about to crucify me. And then they're going to turn and persecute you. And that was a lot for the apostles to hear. So then Christ gives them verse 18 and 19. Fear not. You may die. But if you endure, you'll never die. Right? So to go back to the promise of endurance, how can we be sure we can endure to the end? How can I be sure of something that I have yet to do right i'm not even sure what's going to happen tomorrow i got i got i got a plan you know i figure my clock's going to go off about the same time and i'm going to wrestle whether to get out of bed or not and put my pants on and go to work i've got a general plan but i have no idea what's going to happen none of us do i don't know tomorrow god does so how can i how can i say with with 
complete belief and knowledge that as a believer in Christ, I'm going to endure tomorrow when I don't even know what tomorrow holds. Faith, right? This is a walk of faith. This is a spiritual walk. We're going through Ephesians 6. We're finishing up Ephesians 6. This is, this is a spiritual walk, a spiritual battle, and that's what Christ was trying to tell these apostles. This kingship is spiritual. It'll be physical one day. It's spiritual today, right? Has happened, will happen, is happening. Because we don't know. We don't know. But, but Miss Eddie, that's what I'm trying to, to make us to understand is I can know that I will endure because Christ said I would. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. So, so how can we be sure that we will endure to the end? Because Jesus has predicted we would. We're here in in chapter twenty one. The the church is here in chapter twenty one. You're here. In chapter 21, are you a believer? Are you enduring? You're here, which is cool. He predicted that we would. He didn't didn't miss 70 AD. He brought the vision of Daniel over 560 years to, uh, to fruition. You will endure. You will endure think of verse 19 you will endure and by that god-given endurance you will gain eternal life what it says is what it doesn't say if i don't endure i partake in what miss gina k was saying i partake in second death i don't gain eternal life for all those who do not endure you do not gain life but all those who do endure, or does endure, I don't know what the proper English is right there, will endure, you will gain. The wills and the don'ts go hand in hand. <laughs> right? If I will endure, I will gain. If I do not endure, I do not gain. That's what Christ is saying. So, endure, settle in yourselves, in your souls, to persevere and pray in those times when you know that you're weak, which is every day, right? That's pray every day because you never know. I showed up at that woman's house looking at a high bill. We, Brother Ronnie can tell you, most of the time we're met with great opposition when we show up at somebody's house because their bill is jacked up and they just know it's our fault, right? And But what met me at the door that day was a broken soul who needed consoling. Right. It took me a minute to find that, to see that, to to endure long enough to listen and discern. Right. And to properly, properly remain. I was remaining. I was a Christian. I was just a Christian outside the will of God at that moment. Right. But to properly remain and to go and beg forgiveness and seek forgiveness and then be able to pray. I left blessed, but I also could have left devastated. But God is in control, which is good.
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, O oh God, and for your precious gift of life, Lord, that you have breathed into each and every single one of us here, Lord, for the promises of this word that those who truly believe will endure through the Holy Ghost and gain eternal life, Lord, to walk in that gift that you have given us. Lord, I ask that you seal this in us this night, O oh God, this truth that even in the midst of the hardest of times, that not only are you with us, but that you have went before us and that you know exactly where we are, that you're a personal God and that you personally walk with each and every one of us in these tailor-made challenges of our lives. Lord, help us to have a full revelation of that, that although I have no idea what's going on, Lord, that you are in control. Lord, I thank you, I honor you, and I magnify your name for that. Amen. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, we invite you to look at our webpage. It is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. Uh, there you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you. Thank you.